Welcome back to the Everybody Soccer Podcast. This is your host, Bill Reno. Two quick things before we get into the podcast. I want to give a quick thanks to the United States Navy for helping support the podcast with new equipment. As you can probably tell from the recording here, I'm just really excited to give an even better product for the listeners out there. And the Navy was indirectly involved with the setup, so thanks there. Uh, but second, there's a new goalkeeping magazine called Keepers Union Magazine that was released sometime last fall. I don't know a ton about the publication. I think it's going to be a quarterly release, but you can buy the magazine for $7 or download it for free. And I'm not getting a dime out of saying any of this. I don't think they even know I'm talking about their magazine. I just honestly enjoyed reading it so much and really any goalkeeping content in general. And they did such a great job of it. I figured I'd forward it here. Uh, there's 52 pages of goalkeeping written by former and current goalkeepers. Uh, but a ton of content in there. A lot of small stuff, a lot of big stuff. It looks great. It reads great. Uh, if you see a cover of Everton's Jordan Pickford screaming at you, you've got the right one. Getting on with the podcast, Stan Anderson of the Developmental Academy site FC United returns to cover a number of topics with me. It's not a perfectly split up episode. There's about four sections in general, but they'll kind of vary in length. The first one is we, we discuss our top all-time collegiate goalkeepers dating back many years. And of course, you got the big expected names in there, but we didn't have a solid list yet. So we'll be circling back to that. Uh, any suggestions out there? Definitely welcome. You can find me on Twitter at Let's All Soccer, or you can contact me back at the contact page at everybodysoccer.com. Just click that and you'll, you'll find a link there. Second quarter, we talk about Chelsea's bizarre goalkeeping situation with Kepa Ariza Balaga refusing to be subbed off in the cup final. We're a little late to the party, but it was such a big deal. We had to join in the discussion and we seamlessly transitioned into Joe Hart's recent connection to MLS and to kick off the second half of the pod. Uh, is Joe Hart a good fit for the league? How the league should go about handling foreign goalkeepers? Are they abandoning the American goalkeeper? Jump to that section, you'll find out. And lastly, we make our goalkeeper of the year predictions. We recorded this Thursday, February 28th. So when I predict that Nick Romano might retire, I just want to go on record and say I technically did that before his big announcement and it was overall pretty impressive on my part there. Uh, three goalkeepers from both Stan and I. We just give our top picks of what we think will be the, the goalkeeper of the year winners at the end of the year. Lots of great content. Skip around where you see fit. And go check out that Keepers Union magazine. It's free, so you can't afford not to download it. Uh, a little bit of a juggling act, I suppose. True. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Excellent. Well, I've uh, we got some, some research, some ducks in order, what have you. So, yeah. um, Well, let, let's hear this. Uh, you've been piping this top 10 list for, for a little bit, and you've, you've built it up now. So now I'm, you've really piqued my interest. So I, I'm really curious about what you've got over there. Absolutely. Um, well, here, first I, of all, tell, tell listeners about what, what you've been working on and kind of how it came up just so they're in the loop. Well, I, I figured that I would uh, give a shot at the top 10 um, college, Division One in particular, goalkeepers. And, you know, there's lists for everything, A, sure, sure. but there's lists for baseball and basketball and football, certainly basketball and football as far as it relates to college. And so I figured, you know, there's a top 10 quarterback list and all this and that, and so is there a top 10 goalkeeper list for division one college goalkeepers? And I looked and there isn't. So, uh, I thought, you know, uh, of yes. all time, all time, of all time. Um, and I, uh, figured, well, let's, let's take a look and, and see. And I looked and there wasn't anything. So, um, I've got probably what's bigger than a top 10 list, <laughs> but, uh, I think I have some, good goalkeepers and some that, you know, people will know and some people won't know. And, you know, certainly the young 
uh, goalkeepers out there won't know. Um, but they're people that have done extremely well in the, uh, in the college game, um, you know, back from the, you know, I don't necessarily have anybody from the fifties and sixties, but you know, that's when men's soccer started doing well, uh, or, or, you know, at least became a, a, a legit sport on campuses across the country. Right. So, uh, and St. Louis dominated those really fifties, sixties, seventies, uh, window of time, uh, either championships or runner up. And then, uh, things shifted to, uh, Indiana and Virginia. And then of late, it's been kind of, you know, really anybody on any given year. Right. So, well, I I think you, I mean, you're hitting it pretty well there of, we don't really see a return from the college system until I mean, maybe there's some, some, some spots in the seventies, but it feels like eighties and late eighties is when we start really seeing something from it. Right. Right. I would agree. Uh, I would agree. And, you know, with the exception of David Vinoli and Viola, who kind of spearheaded our drive in the, the qualifications for, 90 uh with bob gansler and then obviously uh vanoli took over and sorry viola took over for vanoli and then uh rest in peace david um but uh well, in that window of time those were two college goalkeepers that helped us qualify basically as collegians for italia 90 right so viola i hold on that list i hold pretty high on that list um as a college goalkeeper, but it was, uh, as legit as can be. So did extremely well, did extremely well, yeah. but I got a bunch of guys listed here. Um, are they, are no they in any order. no order? They've just kind of names that, that pop I, I call it a work in progress. Okay. Okay. Um, so we might have a part two on this. <laughs> yes. We might have a part two on this. Um, but you know, people that I would, I would put me, let's say people I would put in my, top five all right okay uh and for me casey keller would be number one there um viola number two friedel number three and then you start getting into other guys that had really good careers right but i don't know if they necessarily um are you know Long, I know they're not long-time collegians, so I don't know if I can put them there, but they've done extremely well, in particular Brad Kazan, uh, Zach Steffen. I mean, neither one of those guys stayed long enough to sure. to do you know great things. But when you look at guys like Miola, uh, Keller, Friedel, those guys for me were the mainstays. And then you're looking at guys like Hartman, you know, who did a, a, a who had a fantastic career. And then, you know, even guys like Vinoli at UCLA as well. Those guys would be guys that I would have perhaps in a top five, but I'm open to, uh, <laughs> I'm open to other thoughts. And but then, you, you mentioned go ahead. Stefan, he was there for two years and you mentioned Guzan. How, I can't remember how long he was, was it South Carolina? South Carolina for two seasons as two, well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I feel like you got to get at least three to be on the top 10 list. I, I feel like he, if you do two, you know, congrats, but. You got to stick around yeah. a little longer than that. Yeah, certainly as a as a college, and you know maybe I'm looking at that as a as an all time. Um, and I know others have had the shot at the number one shirt for the national team, 
where Zach, you know, presently is, uh, and stayed in college longer and probably have had even more games. But, um, I thought his impact in the college game was, was quite good coached against him in the 2013 Hmm. or 14, one of the two seasons, um, at the end of fantastic game against us. So when I was at, uh, at Wisconsin with the Badgers, so, um, certainly a heavy impact in the game, but I think that's a fair point as far as how long he was in the college game. Cause then you bring in guys like Dodd at Duke and, uh, we, we, we recovered that mistake that happened on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> yeah. with somebody Some, put through. Someone said, uh, UNC and I just thought, man, you just went, just, you, you can get it wrong. That's one thing, but <laughs> to put their yeah. big rival, it seems like something else. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hartman at UCLA and Fry at Cal and Jurgen Sumner at IU who had a fantastic run uh, for length at IU and you know Romando did great things at UCLA and uh, you know Bushy had a fantastic career at Charlotte. Uh, I think he did three three seasons at Charlotte before he went pro. So maybe he makes the, the, the Bill Reno top 10 because he's at three years. Yeah, um, that, I round him up. That's good. Well, you know, but, I, I'm looking at repeats here as far as All-Americans just because I was curious. And yeah. we've got, um, I'm looking at it right now, we've got Andre Blake, 2012-13. Um, the, f- the previous repeat winner was, can you name him? William, he went to William and Mary, 1998-1999? 88 89 I do know this um, because I believe I coached against him um, and give me a second here how embarrassing I hope you can edit this <laughs> he, uh, uh, he was uh, plagued with injuries but he was a contemporary of Tim Howard yes um, oh, man he's out in Portland Portland yeah. well he was in <laughs> Portland he's still at Portland doing more work with T2 um, than, uh, than he is with the actual, uh, first team, uh, anymore. And uh, I just, uh, I had him on my, uh, on my previous list as well. And he just came up on a Facebook memory the other day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, initials a B. Can you get that? He's Aiden Brown. Man, go, holy cow. <laughs> I love Aiden. I, um, I, I did. I took a picture when we coached, uh, when we coached with the fire first team out of outside of, uh, Providence park. Cause I, Wanted to take one. He and I connected after our game. Uh, it was a two-zero result for us. And, uh, Lamson was in goal, and I don't remember who was in goal for them, but we got a, a, a nice result. And I made sure I connected with Aiden after the game because yeah. he's a fantastic goalkeeper, fantastic goalkeeper, and he'd be uh, he'd be on the edge of this top ten. That's for yeah. damn sure. Yeah. Well, and then other repeat winners we've got Brad Friedel, Tony Miola, which we've covered. Um, going farther back, I. I've I've seen this name. I don't know anything about him, but 1981-82, we've got Skip Gilbert out of Vermont. Uh, yeah. Randy Phillips before him at SMU. Uh, Dragon Radovich, three-time winner. Um, yeah. We, so these are, uh, yeah, those are all in the same. Those guys I don't know. Yeah. Louis had some fantastic keepers. Yeah. Uh, coming out of St. Louis and Johnston and Fuchs and. Hopeful and and these are guys I don't know, but they were they were and are uh, legends coming out of SLU, and uh, they did a they did fantastic work there. I've, I've checked my research with uh, Kevin Kalish there, and um, and he was more than happy to forward those guys that he felt 
have been, you know, legends in out of St. Louis. And if you look at their history in the in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, I mean, it's unrivaled. Yeah. Well, here, how, how about how about this? Let's let's pause here, and then we'll come back next time, and we can hopefully get a, a stronger top ten list as far. And I'll, I'll do my my research a little bit more and try to give you a, a run for your money as far as who's in, Fantastic. who's out. We'll have battling top ten yeah. lists. I'll have a final <laughs> we'll list. See. Yeah, you'll have a final list, and yeah. I won't forget Aiden Brown's name. Gotcha. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll keep we'll we'll do better there. All right, one last thing before we move on there. Um, here, let, let me read these names to you. Um, so from, I just had it. I'm scrolling up and down. Where was it? Okay, from 88 to 92, here, here's the All-American list. And we've already said these names. Yeah. But it's Miola, Miola, Keller, Friedel, Friedel. That's five years in a row there. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, you know, quite quite a streak there. But our last five, and then, of course, they've got time to finish up. But from 2014 on, we've got Alex Bono, Calum Irving out of Kentucky, Alec Farrell, who... I'm assuming he's done. He he had gotten drafted, but I think injuries have just messed up his knee, and I think he's done for. Um, 2017's Eric Dick, and this last year was Trey Muse. Doesn't it? And, and you know, there's they've still got plenty of time ahead of them, especially for Trey Muse. But doesn't that? It, it, I feel like our, you know, there was a pretty strong heyday, and comparing those last five to Miola and company, doesn't it feel like there's a pretty notable difference? when we talk about the college game producing goalkeepers? Well, yes and no. For me, you know, those guys are legends, and they're legends because time has been very good to them and their careers were great. Sure. So while Eric Dick, um, in particular, uh, Butler and Young, I think the the future may end up still being extremely bright that if we were to talk in 10 years – who knows if we talk about Eric the same way? Sure. Um, I think that's an entirely fe- feasible. Trey Muse, possible. You know, Zach Brown might have um, <laughs> a better opinion on that as far as what he feels Zach's ten-year uh, window from today on. Zach Brown's the, like. the IU goalkeeper coach, just for listeners out there. Yes, yes, and um, I love Zach, and and he did great work with uh, with Trey, uh, as did. Robeson and Todd and uh, I believe Brad might have even been there when that process unfolded. And, uh, you know, those guys have done, uh, Mays uh, was certainly there. So, uh, you know, they've done great work there with, uh, with Trey. And, you know, I, I don't know what Trey's uh, future will be like. You know, people are leaving earlier because the money is getting sure, better. Sure. The opportunities to come back to school are better now than they were back then so you know those guys can go back and finish their degrees with little to no cost um you know depending on what they what aid they were when they left so you can finish uh degree completion grants and things but you know in time uh and i had a, a look at callum irving with uh kentucky when when he came to the fire on a trial with him and bersano and um you know in time we'll uh we'll see you a you know you know, a little bit of a rough go of it because there's some very good goalkeepers in Major League Soccer, but also, you know, coming as a Canadian, uh, right. you're you're looking at you know being a, a unless you're the you know the clear number one, uh, clearing a uh, a foreign spot for it. So, and I think that's still the case, Canada to the U.S. There's some, there's some stipulations that if essentially so 
St. Clair. I'm pretty sure he doesn't count as an international slot because he's like a generation Adidas equivalent, or may actually. Okay. I'm trying. There's like some sort of threshold. If you clear that, then you you won't count, even if you're in a American based MLS team. But okay. th- that aside, got it. Got it. So I think in time, you know, 10 years from now, uh, with these guys, I, I think it's, it, you know, who knows what that future holds. I, I think it was certainly a golden era. It was clear that those guys had tremendous, uh, roads ahead of them. Um, you know, Tony, it was clear coming out of school. He just, he was as vibrant as could be. Sure. Um, he was a, a big time presence and, People loved him and teams loved him. And, uh, you know, he had some, some, some quality goofiness around him kicking, I think for the jets and different things. It was, it was, uh, you know, and he's not the only one that has gone from goalkeeping to, to kicking. So we had a Wisconsin goalkeeper, uh, that was very, very good and ultimately decided. And he's kicking for, I think for the chargers present day, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, I know, you know, I know Br- Josh Lambeau is out in with Jacksonville, and he went. I'm trying to think. Jacksonville. There you go. Yeah, he, he used to be with the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Right. He was with FC Dallas forever. I don't think he got one professional start ever. <laughs> no, a, but he's a U20 goalkeeper. You know, and I don't know. Anyways, and he's probably making very good money. Oh, I don't doubt as a it. Kicker. <laughs> he's you know, doing really so well. He's doing okay, and yeah. you know what have you, but. Um, you know, in case he's playing in four continents, but him coming out of school was very highly thought of. And same with Brad, it was a really, really competitive time. And what's great is I think those guys, you know, made each other better just by being on the same field together in training. Right. Yep. And sometimes our young goalkeepers today lose that and they don't realize that having somebody push them day to day to day, uh, makes both of them better. Even if they end up being the number two for a while, um, you know, they can go somewhere else and be a number one or take over the spot. But having that competition day in, day out is huge. And, right. you know, I, I don't know with these present guys. I don't know if we feel the same about uh, Callum Irving and Eric Dick and Dane St. Clair and Trey Muse. And, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. Time will time will tell, I guess. You know, it's funny that you brought up that whole competition angle because I was talking to – I say talking. It was all online. But I was talking to – Kevin Hartman, he said that the USL expansion, you know, there was pros and cons to it. The pros being, obviously, that there's uh, more and more spots. And one thing I really enjoyed is seeing <laughs> is seeing where teams are filling their second and third. Because usually I know the first name, uh, the first string guy that, like, oh, yeah, he went to, you know, such and such college. That makes sense. But then, like, you know, they're pulling the second and third string from, you know, kind of those lower D1, if not D2, D3, and AI. You know, these guys are coming out of the woodworks. Um, right. which is great that they're getting a chance. Um, but he pointed out that the con, which is just what you're getting on there is that the, um, kind of that competitive, competitive environment seems to not be as strong now. You know, you've got so many chances to go somewhere, you know, it's not make or break on your, on every stop, which, you know, that's tough, um, to really kind of find that fine line there. But, you know, I, I think there's something to be said about that. Um, Hundred percent agree. Yeah. Kevin's very astute, and I would, uh, I would agree with Kevin. Yeah, um, yeah. He seems you know, to know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That guy's, uh, yeah. he's a bright one. Well, this gives a perfect transition for uh, the. I say I was going to say recent. It's a week ago now, but what happened out with Chelsea? And you know, I've, I've been, I, I was kind of excited to talk about it, but now that I've, <laughs> I've read so much online, 
I'm kind of exhausted with the subject already, but for, for viewers who have missed it, um, it was the Carabao final, and it was Chelsea-Manchester City. Uh, as the game goes long, they're in extra time. It's still tied. Penalty kicks around the way. Uh, we've got the Chelsea goalkeeper, uh, Kepa Ariza Balaga. I always have to kind of slow down on that name. Um, but he, um, he goes down with cramps. The manager tries to make a sub. Kepa waves off the sub. And he stays on the field. So, and you know, there's the the substitute, uh, Willie Cabarro, is is on the sideline, like wait, waiting to come on. Keppel waves him off and stays on the field. They go to shootouts. Um, he saves one, misses one right under his hands. Chelsea ends up losing. Uh, and of course, there was a ton of hot takes from it. But the actual backlash, I suppose, internally, uh, Keppel was set for his last game, and then still still to be told of where he's going to come back in, or you know how that's going to play out. Um, it seems like everyone's been pretty nice publicly. We don't really know what's going on behind doors, but everyone's been pretty nice publicly of trying to move on. I, I really appreciated the backup, um, Caballero, uh, being really kind to the young goalkeeper. Uh, Kepa's 24, I think. Um, so it seems, seems like things are, have smoothed over. It was a big talking point. Um, and now it, I think you and I might have some different takes on this because we're separated by five or six years is that is that how far we <laughs> something like that right you know maybe just a couple more years um, exactly yeah but but my dad always says stuff of like well you know we're you and i are from different generations we're gonna see things differently and i, I think that's totally totally accurate and so i guess i'm curious on your take of that because i i think i i feel like i might be able to guess what your take on it is but let, i'll let you say it first well for me I, i'm gonna comment on what i saw and not sure. anything I read afterwards or heard this or that. I've been around the game long enough to know that this is going to be said or that's going to be said, and this is what we're going to say to the media, and blah, blah, blah. He, he wanted him, sorry, wanted him off. Right. And made it clear that he wanted him off it, for it, whatever it, reason. It should be noted that he's he's been down for a couple of minutes, if not like three minutes. He, he's been, it wasn't just a, a brief injury. He was down for a while. Yeah. So he's deciding to make the sub. And it's at some point you listen to the manager and not even really at some point you, you listen to the manager. So well, the manager wanted him off. The problem I have with, with Keppa and I, personally, I lost a lot of respect for him is how he went about it. He didn't just put up his hand. It wasn't a nice gesture. It was, it wasn't, you know, Hey, I'm, thumbs up. I'm okay. It was like a violent, violent might be strong, but I mean, it was he's, an aggressive. He's, he's yelling. He's yelling at the sideline from the field. Yeah. And, and, you know, backhand of his glove saying, you know, get lost type of thing. And for me, whether that's to Willie, which is more likely to sorry, that for me made me go, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't like the situation at all. It wasn't walking towards him. It wasn't putting a hand to the ear trying to hear yeah. what was going on in a loud stadium. He was, he was like, not a chance, dude. Not a chance. I'm staying out. And that was the affect that he was giving. And so that bothers me because a player-coach relationship should always be that what the coach says. And, and look, the modern-day player, I deal with, the, with enough of them. <laughs> they feel differently. You know, they, they feel like it's, it's got to be a, you know, more of a, of a give and take and uh, yin and yang with the player coach relationship, et cetera. Do you, do so, you ever, do you ever feel like you, you're 
I feel like I run into this occasionally, not a ton. But do you ever feel like your goalkeepers um, give you sort of the idea of like, hey, prove to me why why you're the coach? Well, some of them, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I feel like I run into that. Some of them, absolutely. And um, you know, uh, hopefully, my experience level or experience in the game or um, the understanding of why we're doing something, which sometimes I, I I won't explain or I'll I'll forget or whatever. And, you know, fair enough. But yeah, that, that, that happens. There's, there's certain of them. Uh, but you know, sorry already going through a difficult time and everybody knows that Chelsea's going through a difficult time. Yeah. The players aren't in a bubble. They're aware of it. And so this doesn't help. Then you look and you look further. I don't know why I'm forgetting the assistants who came down to help. Um, former player and I, I recognize him as a former player, but I can't pull his name. Sure. Uh, he, he did a, a great job trying to go to the touchline. Well, not trying. He went to the touchline and he's telling Kepa to come off and Caballero is there just, you know, Hey, I'm doing my job. I'm ready to go on the field. I've been told to, to enter the game. So he's rolling his arms around and, yeah, and was, stretching. Yeah, he's in a weird spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's just waiting for it to waiting for it to happen. It doesn't happen. And so a problem with David Louise, David Louise, you know, highly reputable player goes over, puts his hand over his mouth. Cause he doesn't want any, you know, the cameras to see what he's saying or whatever. Sure, sure. Well, that's, that's a little bit of a problem right there. Cause I, no one knows what he's saying, but he certainly didn't grab him by the shirt. He didn't try to usher him off. He's just talking to. Yeah. 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 I think, and, I think what I saw afterwards is that Louis said that he told him to go off, but you look at his demeanor. It's kind of like, He's kind of saying it pretty calmly. You know, there's not any real urgency. He's just kind of saying like, hey, you should go off. And that's about it. Yeah. And, you know, there's others that have been much better captains in that regard. You know, whether that be PK, whoever it may be in over time that have been better in those situations. Well, right. I, to your point, D- David Luiz, I don't think he was the captain. I think it was the, um, I'm blanking on his name, it's the right back who wasn't in the scene at all. I think he might have been over on the, the sideline talking to someone. But he, yeah. You're 100% right. Yeah. It was. You're 100% right. What I, I guess what I expected was more captain type behavior right. oh, from, from a, yeah, veteran. David Luiz. You know, a, a veteran like that, without a doubt, center back, strong presence in the team. That he would, you know, grab him by the jersey, not necessarily to make a fool of him, but sure, to at least to start leading him, push him to yeah. the touchdown. Let's go, let's go. You know, we want to play. We have we have a game to win. This type of thing. Then you go a little bit further. Nobody on the technical technical staff helped otherwise, other than that one assistant coach. Then you get David Luiz. Then you 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 put yourself in that situation. Kepa does, and now all of a sudden it goes to penalties. Hey, you've made yourself the hero. By waving, waving the manager off. Yeah, you've got saying, to win. I got this. Yeah. Yeah. You better save Aguero's penalty that rolls underneath your arms to your left that wasn't struck really well. You know, you, it, I wouldn't put that on any goalkeeper to, to save the penalty. I'd say, yeah, you probably want that one back. But if you're going to do that as Keppa and you're going to put yourself in that situation and make it seem like, I got this, no one else can, I have it, and then you don't, you know, that's a, that's a tough spot to be in. Yep. And I'm glad that he was fined a week's wages. I'm glad that he didn't play. I'm glad that Caballero did. I'm glad that Caballero put his body on the line and made a big save. I'm glad that Caballero had kept a clean sheet. 
I thought those things were great, and I think going forward, I hope he continues to play because there's a fine line between any top goalkeeper in the number two, and Caballero is not a not a, a bad number two to put into the team. And oh, so, of course not. <laughs> it was yeah. disappointing for me that, to see Kepa do it. Um, I certainly made my feelings felt about it. I know that it's that it's over. Omarzini and I had a quick, you know, a quick funny exchange that yeah. um, Ibra even had some words yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was what it was, and you know, but it was a high-profile scene, and uh, it certainly spoke to a player-coach relationship. And you know, it speaks to all the other things that can happen in a team if you start. Excuse me, if you start letting the the players make. Uh, the calls and everything and certainly that is a big big deal substitutions so yeah i'll say i was i was kind of surprised with the fine because i i i like you i agree with it i agree with the benching i agree with the fine um all that makes sense but i think i was a little surprised by it because um i mean that's that's really putting your foot down as a manager and with such a i mean chelsea's had so many things going on for them but um as far as like just general drama and stuff in the news but it's. I, I thought that was a pretty bold play on his part, and I respect it. I think it was a really good idea, but I was a little surprised. But by that, on top of it, um, yeah. I, I, I think I, looking back on it, I wonder what the communication was between the trainers to Kepa and then trainers to Sari, the manager, because I I don't get the sense that uh, Caballero was supposed to go on for penalties. Like I I don't think that conversation really happened prior to. Yeah. I'm guessing. But it, it just doesn't look like that happened. And so, you know, I, I can see kind of from Kepa's point of view, it's like, hey, I didn't ask to be subbed off. Like, you know, I, I'm fine. I'm here. Um, right. I, I wonder if if Kepa could do it all over again, what what he would do. Because from my point of view, you've brought in this guy a $90 million transfer. He's not just some young goalkeeper. I mean, he's he's a guy that the, the team has invested in. He's right. there to win games. He's there to win trophies. I wonder, you know, how he would have gone about that. Because I do think you're right as far as, you know, he was pretty aggressive and, like, waving him off and kind of, like, flinging his hand away. You know, so he's – it's it's all a very odd situation. And there was one point where Sari blew up at um, Caballero because he, he yeah. thought – he just sat down himself. You know, it was you know, there's all so much confusion. I really haven't seen anything like that before. And so we're kind of in uncharted territory. But, you know, I, if I, the one thing I liked about it is that Kepa took his punishment. You know, he's been real respectful. Uh, everything in the news, he, he hasn't really tried to, he hasn't defended himself too much. I mean, he, he explained what why he did that, but he hasn't said, I made the right decision. Or, you know, you remember back to the 2007 World Cup when Solo was benched for Scurry, yeah. and that went yep. bad, you know. And, of course, that's a very different situation, but Solo was very outspoken. And everyone blasted Solo afterwards saying, like, hey, you can't, you know, you can't do that. Um, right. And so I, and that's, I, that's carried on to, to hope to this day. Well, yeah. You know, that bled into other yeah. things that, that hope, you know, did then in subsequent issues that she's, that she's yeah. had over time. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's another conversation, but yeah, right. I, yeah, that's, that wasn't out of character, I suppose. But I, I guess I'm curious of, you know, you, I, I think it's tough for, you know, I'm not downplaying you or really anyone, but I do think it's tough for us who have never been in that situation to be put in that situation. Cause you, for me, Kepa is inches away from being the hero. Like, yes, he misses that, but he's also already saved one. And there's like an 85% chance of the shooter, or it's like a 15% chance that the keeper's going to save it. So he's already yeah. saved one. He's inches away from saving two. 
you know, I, I wonder if he could do it again because he knows how close he is to winning that, that trophy for them, you know. that. So I wonder if he could do it again. I I wouldn't be surprised if he would make a similar decision and think, you know what, hey, this is worth it because I'll, I'll take all the backlash for this if I can pull this off. You know, you, right. you can repair a coach-player relationship. He seems like a good enough guy that I don't get the yeah. sense that he's wanting to upend stuff. It was a it was a pretty young, brash decision, but I wonder if he could do it again. How he would play that out? You know i I hope he would be. I hope he would choose different. Uh, if you know, and it, it, all joking aside, I watched the interview. If if Ibra is going to say that the manager wants to need to come off, he come off. And there's been rumors about how he felt about last year's manager. But sure. you know, at the end of the day, if uh, if Ibra is going to come off, if Ibra is going to be subbed off, you you come off. I you know, for me, um, a player-coach relationship is huge. A goalkeeper-goalkeeper-coach relationship, I think, is is very, very valuable. It has to have a hell of a lot of hell of a lot of trust. Um, so does a coach-player relationship with you know within a team. I've been a head coach in in our our various programs in Wisconsin before, and uh, more obviously at the youth level. And the college has been more an assistant, and fair enough. But I think that relationship with a with a goalkeeper, a number one in particular, and then with a crew of four, uh, typically at the college level, uh, two maybe at the academy level, maybe three. But that relationship has to be really, really strong, and it goes two ways. Yeah. At the end of the day, Kepa didn't. He didn't. He didn't win. He didn't uh, become the hero. And with great risk can come great reward. But with great risk can also come great failure he's put himself in a tough spot now and he didn't do it well sorry sorry didn't put him there you know no one put him there but himself he waved it off decided i'm not coming off and this is the situation that he's in now you know the reality is he's been fined the reality is he sat the reality is caballero posted a clean sheet and did well those are the those are the realities and he should know even at 24 that there's a very 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 fine line from a pro number one to a pro number two College number one, college number two, academy number one, academy number two, high school number one, high school number two. Maybe there's a bigger gap there. But there, there's always a fine line between a number one and a number two. Sure. And I hope Caballero runs with it. I have nothing against Keppa, but he made a bad decision in my opinion. No, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think Keppa will be stronger in the end from it. Cause, and this goes back to the competitive environment. Like Keppa realizes the situation that he didn't just get benched for – Joe Smo. I mean, he's got a good goalkeeper as his previous backup now starter over him. So, you know, he, he's going to get back in there at some point. They've put too much money in him to not. But um, right. I wouldn't be surprised if he sits for, you know, a month or so, uh, if not longer. So, um, I, you know, it's kind of a whirlwind of, of a situation. But, you know, all things, you know, I, I, I think I'm pretty happy with how everything played out. You know, one's been pretty respectful in the news. I'm glad people haven't you know, I'm glad the parties involved haven't complained openly too much. You could tell Sarah right. was frustrated, but he didn't rip even he didn't rip into Kepa too much. Um, right. So I I, th- I think it'll play out and you know be one of those things that like ten years down the road, like oh remember that one time <laughs> you know it'll just be kind of a footnote. All in all, I'm sure Kepa will be. I, I I've liked him you know the first minute he stepped in for Chelsea because he reminded me so much of you know, it was very different, but he reminded me of David de Gea's first season with Manchester United and how everyone was. Yeah given him flack you know and that was it was more for his play style but even still i i you could tell he's talented and he's going to swing back around but yeah i um high profile position you're absolutely right yeah. and uh 
you know, especially, <clears throat> especially at that level, a very high profile position. I remember that with the hay as well. And I hope he comes back as well. He's obviously very, very talented. I think he'll, he'll learn from it. Um, I think part of the process is of learning from it is that people are disappointed. If people yep. aren't disappointed, I don't know what he really takes from it other than, Hey, oh, maybe yeah. I do this again. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. You, you've kind of have to make a fuss of it, at least internally. I, I thought the media response was extremely excessive, but internally you do have to make a, you, you do have to bench him or give him some sort of equivalent punishment to make yeah. sure. No, I agree with that. Well, transitioning to MLS here, but staying in the EPL, I guess uh, Joe Hart's been linked to MLS. And so I guess I'm curious on your thoughts of, uh, foreign goalkeepers coming into the league because it feels like it's such a polarizing I- issue of no we only want uh, Americans playing or no we want you know the best talent we can get um, and I, I checked before we recorded it it's Thursday midday um, and I haven't seen anything more than just a general buzz I was trying to think of what teams he could even go to and right. There's not a clear, obvious fit. The ones that stood out to me were Chicago, which they just brought Newstead, but I, I could see them making a move to to free up something. Um, they'd have to move Sanchez, I think, realistically, but they could even, you know, even on a loan, they could fit it. Or maybe even Colorado with, with Howard retiring. Um, that would kind of ruin his parade to some extent of his, his last go-around. But, um, right. but there's some other places like Philly. They can move Andre Blake and then make room for, for Hart. And they brought over an English goalkeeper a couple years ago as well. So... Um, in a general sense, what do you think about Joe Hart? But then also, on a bigger uh, umbrella, what do you think about foreign goalkeepers in the league? Generally, I'm, I'm not a fan. Um, because if the the adage is true that we are very good at producing uh, domestic goalkeepers, you know, if that's true, and, and if it's true that we've not done well at the, the nine, the striker role, um, you know, whatever. It, if those adages are true or cliches, whatever you want to call them, myths or, or reality, I think we're we're good at, at uh, producing number one goalkeepers, top goalkeepers for our top league. I think there are enough that are, that are out there. You know, I don't know if if we're giving enough chances to our domestic options to really see if they are capable of being a, a number one here domestically. I think we're quicker with the leash on, and, and the pull on our domestic goalkeepers, whether they're, they're young or, or old. Um, fortunately, Melia has stuck with it, and Melia has produced for SKC. Um, and you could go on with others. You know, uh, I, I just don't know. There's obviously many domestic goalkeepers. Brad Guzan is is one. Uh, Sean Johnson is another. Uh, John Bush was a fantastic domestic product. We talked about a bunch of them at the beginning of the show right, right, yeah. that were, were great domestic products. Tell me a goalkeeper that, and I used to have a, a, an actual list of this, tell me a foreign goalkeeper that has done really well over here. Um, like I just I just really wrote an well. article on this. I, I, where, yes, I'm gonna, you did. I'm going to fold up, but yeah, I... Uh... No, keep going. But Minnesota with Alvich was not was no, not good. Yeah, didn't go well. Um, and part of that was because of an, an injury. I will, I will point out, but yeah, there was some other stuff going on. Yeah, and part of it was eight goals against in the first two games. <laughs> uh, the defense, was, was, the defense wasn't very good. We will give him a little credit, but yeah, I 
Yeah, well, I, I don't want to defend him too much. I guess I don't have anything really tied to him, but he did. Have, he was good. running uphill. <laughs> good because I watched uh, I watched those games and um, I was like, "Holy cow!" Because knowing some of the domestic goalkeepers that could be there, and that was the choice. I was thinking, "How can this be?" Was literally, it? I was thinking, "How can this be?" Well, that he, you're paying two fifty to yeah. three fifty for him is quarter million, and yeah. you and you have domestic goalkeepers that could do a much, much better job, I believe, could do a much, much better job. Now, it's their choice to make the decision, sure, so that's sure. the decision they made. Was was Lampson on the bench then? Is that who was in Minnesota? No, he was not in Minnesota at that time. Who, uh, who was on the bench? I'm trying to think who was there. I don't know. I don't know who was on the Because I don't think Shuttleworth the... was there yet, but he might. I don't know. True, but to your point, there there's other options. Yeah, but there's not many foreign goalkeepers that have come over here. Ravelli back in the day... Uh, you know, but there's not many that have come over here and done well. Now, I'm I'm taking into account U.S. and Canada, North America. Sure. Uh, right. You know, Campos came over and had a had a, a spell for a while, um, and it was fun. Um, but you know, that was towards the towards the end, um, and obviously he's Mexican. So, uh, being a foreign goalkeeper, I, there's not many that have have come over here and done really well. Yeah. Wait. Okay. Here's here's my list here because I, I I was thinking about the exact same issue. So I've got now this is just strictly non-American. So some of these fall into your North American category. So one is P- Pat Onstad, obviously great there. Love Pat. Canadian. Canada. Yeah. Uh, we've got Donovan Ricketts, two-time MLS Goalkeeper of the Year winner. Jamaica. Uh, we've got Jimmy Nielsen from Denmark. Uh, yep. Jorge Campos, you mentioned. Uh, Jamie Panino from Panama. Uh, David Usted, Dario Sala. I watched. I went to when I was younger. I went to go see him with FC Dallas, um, Argentina, I think. Um, and then we have not too long ago, but Michael uh, Gasperning out Seattle. Yep. I was trying to think where Austria, I think. Uh, yep. Adam Corse, I think that's Ghana. But you know, those last two guys, they played a total of ninety nine games combined. I mean, they both played a season and a half, not even. Yeah. So to your yeah. point, yeah, we haven't had. I'm I'm counting one, two, three, four, five non-American goalkeepers that have played at least a hundred games and three of those are North American. <laughs> so, you know, it's not, and Jimmy yeah, Nielsen not is, is now a head coach in the, uh, in the USL. And yes. Yep. Fantastic. And, you know, I, I think he did a very good job when, when he was playing here, there's not many others that did good job at Pat. I love Pat. I think Pat is a fantastic ambassador for um, the league. Uh, he's doing a great job. He did a great job coaching. Uh, he's now, I think, in the front office with Columbus. Um, he, he did a, an awesome job, but that's again Canadian. You know, I think we think as as managers in this country, and I'll be critical of some of the people in Major League Soccer that uh, a young goalkeeper or an American goalkeeper not good with their feet. I'd argue the point. Um, you know, what what do you want out of a goalkeeper with their feet? By the way, first off. No turnovers, without a doubt. You don't want a goalkeeper turning the ball over sure. out of the back. I get that. But I've seen very good domestic goalkeepers go in that have good feet, and we're giving opportunities, um, or opportunities are being earned by foreign goalkeepers that are either just as good, in some cases worse, and in rare cases better with their feet, with the, if we want to call it trendy, playing out of the back. Um, at least the current state of affairs playing out of the back. There are goalkeepers that can do that. It's not a, it's not an unbelievable task, especially when you're not under 
that much pressure to be able to play out of the back. And, you know, I, I just don't, I just don't see it. I don't know what the advantage is for a 32 or a 33 year old. I don't know how old Joe is in particular, getting back to the, to the Joe in particular, you know, Joe may be a different, a different animal. If he's got four or five, really competitive years in him left. He's, he's 31. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. About to be 32 okay. in April. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he's so some time. Yeah. Right, right in that window, he should have uh, four to five competitive years if he comes here, you know. Um, Brian Sylvester, who just signed with forward Madison um, and who has had games uh, as a, an MLS goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. You know, guys, like, I don't know what Brian's feet are like, and I hope he does well. Uh, for forward Madison, you know, they'll have a challenge because in their relation with Minnesota United, is somebody going to come down and then who are they going to play? And, you know, that whole dynamic exists as to who really is an affiliate and what's the benefit of the affiliate, who's playing from the affiliate and who's playing from the parents and different story. But, you know, Sylvester's a, another one. Um, Charlie Lyon, Matt Persano, guys I've been, you know, big advocates for Kyle Lyon that are playing the league. Patrick's out when Patrick played for the fire. He actually played pretty well. They actually yeah, had a decent yeah. little run with Patrick. Oh, I thought he did great. I was hoping for him to come back. Never yeah. given, never given a leash. Yeah, he was never given the, the the confidence of being the number one. And he, you know, he he earned it for a couple games. Patrick's a good goalkeeper, and you know, it didn't uh, it didn't work out for him. And you know, fair enough. But just because you come from Europe, and you know, look, if you're good enough, then you should come over and you should play. But if you're if you're not good enough, or if you're marginal or equal, um, or it's just reputation and you're on the downward yeah. side of your career, then I don't understand the move. I really don't understand the the move. Atanella has done quite well for Portland. Got themselves to the to the final last year. Obviously, Brad won it. Tyler Miller is kept out of Honduran in. Uh, mm-hmm. LA, and now he's got, I think, somebody from Sociedad coming in, yeah, yeah, uh, to battle with him. Um, you know, and others I could go up and down the league. You know, Usted is brought in now as the number one, but Sanchez, uh, from Mexico is the number two, and then you got Steph as the as the number three. You know, um, Steph has 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 shined pretty well when he's played, and we had one rough outing, I think, as for, for the affiliate, and past that he's actually done pretty well yep. when he's played for Chicago so I don't know that's it, it's puzzling to me it, it it really really is you you can look at the the rest of the of the the teams if you will and how we you know and I know this is this doesn't make it right but I know it's like every league in the world but we're taking in so many players preparing them well on our platform for them to go back in qualifying and play against us and do really well and it's not just goalkeeper. Um, I don't understand that so much when you've got guys like, you know, Chris Mueller, who is earning those moments in Orlando. I'd like to see Cam continue. I'd like to see Drew Connor uh, get on the field more. But, you know, the, these type of guys that uh, Georgie, fantastic what Georgie's done in Chicago and then with the call-up. Uh, there are enough players in this country that can that can do it. I'm not saying we're... Argentina, Brazil, Germany, France, whatever. I'm, I'm not naive. Um, sure. Again, I've been around the game long enough. But there are players that, that can get the job done. I think they just need a little bit of a longer leash. Yeah. Well, so 
to your oh okay, so real, real, real quick joe hart thumbs up thumbs down but you kind of hit around it a little bit where, where i'd you... say i'd say thumbs up thumbs okay. up in the sense that 31 years old you know very very good uh goalkeeper i think he should he shouldn't have lost his position yeah before i think it would be thumbs i think that's worth a shot but that's really high profile yeah you know you're talking about a a legit world-class goalkeeper recent high-level world-class goalkeeper yeah different than some of these others albigen minnesota you know that was that was not a recent world-class goalkeeper and and i could go on with with others but you know if you're you're joe hart 100 percent i yes yeah without a doubt thumbs up two thumbs up <laughs> well i i think you you're hitting a lot of really um astute points that people kind of overlook so typically it feels like when people think of foreign goalkeepers are automatically just better. You know, they, they think, Oh, they played in Europe or they played in South America. They must be pretty good, better than what we have here. We should take a look. Um, and I feel like the lit- litmus test every time is you with like a 99% correlation is, did you pay any money to take them from that club? Cause if you're getting them on a free transfer or they're just like, you know, the team just let them go that's probably a, a pretty big warning sign of like, hey, maybe, maybe, you know, this is this is not how it works across the world. Like, if you want a good goalkeeper, you're going to have to put some money into it. Um, I mean, even the Joe Hart thing, you know, we, they would either, it's I think a loan is the, the more, more likely option. But if you get them on a loan, you know, that's going to be, you know, and, and if there ever is a transfer, you imagine transfer fee there, that's going to be, you know, five to ten million. You know, you're going to have to pay something for that. And he's a very right. good goalkeeper. So to your point, like, yeah, I, I like the idea of Joe Hart coming over. Um, but you know, it, rare, rare is that is that goalkeeper that you see. You know, for me, it was Zach Steffen, where I saw him as a youngster at the showcase. Mm-hmm. I even sent Zach a direct message about this a, a couple months ago. But <laughs> the, the that you see him and you just go, wow, wow. Yeah, he's got. You know, it. It, yeah. He, yeah, he didn't even have to do much. But it was just wow. I was talking with Sean Phillips, who uh, is head coach at UIC, and we were both there. It was just fifteen to twenty minutes, but you just went wow. And then he obviously gets to to Maryland. Sasha did a great job with him there. Uh, I don't know if Artujan was there or who was there at the time that worked with him. I think Rob's already gone, but um, they they did a, a great job with him. And now he goes on to the league, and now he's on the Man City. And you know, is is Zach the only one? No, you know, Zach's a very, very good goalkeeper. He was, he was the, the number one in Columbus and, and, uh, uh, Logan Ketterer was the number three in Columbus. And you know, what a, what a privilege for Logan to train with the U S number one, uh, you know, day in and day out. But we have that level of player in the, in the country. There's not every day is Zach Steffen going to come along, but that's a, that's a legit, um, I think future number one, even in Europe player and fortunately we've allowed him to to prosper over here in this country and you know that's great they did a good piece of business by columbus to move him along <laughs> and make some money off them. yeah some money yeah they just made a little bit <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah. no i their academy for a few years yeah well i i think uh i think joe hart you know he's he's not on the same level as you know carlo cudicini who came out to la right you know and, and which is weird. What was that Brazilian that went to Toronto? He went to the World Cup. Oh, I can see his face. Uh, Julio Cesar. You know, when he came over, I think he's he's yeah. done one in the the Cudicini boat. 
they just didn't really have the, you could tell it was pretty obvious. They just didn't really have the, um, the drive that they had at one point. And, you know, for whatever, all the talk of it being a retirement league or not an MLS at the time, whatever. But I think it was pretty clear that Cudicini and Cesar were both very talented at one point. And then once they got here, they were pretty much done. And just mentally, they just weren't in it. I still love, I still love bringing up Cudicini to Galaxy fans because, they oh they hated him when he showed you know from pretty much when he stepped <laughs> on the field they were furious with him had an awful run didn't finish the season um, as a starter um, but then you can get guys um, they, and, and to your point that you know you, it's pretty clear I guess when you can see like hey this guy's head above shoulders if they're just marginally better it does kind of beg the question as why um, you know why why are we investing in this guy that's 33 who might be a little bit better you know i I think cincinnati's kind of running into it right now they had they still have spencer richie he he won richie won the starting spot towards the back third of the season when they went on this like ridiculous 20 game unbeaten streak in the middle of that i think he 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 took over um yeah they get promoted quote unquote promoted and uh yeah and then they bring in this polish goalkeeper who was a backup of a relegated la liga team and I'm sure he's yeah. a really nice guy, but it, you know, it, it's such a confusing move of like, why, like this guy just, this guy, this kid just did a pretty good job. And Richie reminds me a lot of uh, Malia as far as like his career track. Cause he's been told no so many times. Don't you think Richie has like a little bit of a drive to him at, at this point, but they, oh, they're bringing, in, they're bringing in this, you know, this European that it, it almost feels like, well, he's European. So like he's going to be by default better. It's just so odd. I, I'd love to see the league get into the same mindset with the, you know, how Atlanta just flipped um, Almiron. You know, yep. get, get like, if you want to go get a foreigner, like, how about you pay a little bit and then flip them for profit? Like, yep. I, I, you know, I'm totally in favor of that. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, again, like, they've got to be better than our domestic option here. You know, Altenel, who was an All-American, as I saw, uh, yep. USF. Um, you know, and Malia's done a good job here. And so, um, it is a little head scratching of like, man, why, you know, maybe we're not producing world-class goalkeepers as much anymore, you know, fine, fair enough. But if the option is a a backup from a relegated team on a free transfer, you know, it's, you know, and Bill Hamid, the reverse situation, he goes on a free transfer over to Denmark. And if you invest zero money into an incoming player, you know that team's going to have a lot less of a commitment. So it's just kind of like, why, why are you going so out of the way for something that may or may not work out? You're not even really confident in it because you didn't spend any money. You know, it's free. How, how, how much do you value something that's free? You know, very, so very, very true. Old adage. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. It's yeah, true. I'm a pretty smart guy. Yeah, so I, I got that under my belt there. But I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, no, yeah, it's just all very confusing. You know, there's so many different ways, and especially look at how the world is operating. You know, you, you point up the whole distribution, you know, from your feet. Uh, I'm looking at my stats right now. So I, I for my goal saved above replacement, I have a little passing formula of, of where you where a goalkeeper connects passes and turns them over and how value that is. So if you connect a pass in front of your own 18, pretty much useless because that doesn't really correlate to a goal. Right. Um, but if you turn one over, obviously that's more. So can you name the top two um, goalkeepers as far as, uh, how valuable their passing was. I've got it right here. Major think, League Soccer. Yeah, Major League Soccer. I think you can probably name one, but the other one might surprise you. Is Brad one of them? Brad's not one of them. He's not. 
who's yeah. pretty average. Um, Nick Romano? Yeah, Nick Romano's one. Yep. Okay. Uh, Nick's good with his feet, always has been yeah, good with yeah. his feet. Hey, he, he had a, a 1.28 uh, goals contributed with his passing. That's that's over the whole season. So, okay. which it's, you know, it's a goal, a, more, a goal plus, but still kind of peanuts at the end of the, the season. I'm going to... I'm gonna say one of two, but I'm gonna go this one first. Zach Stefan. He did, he, he really struggled at the start of the season. He kind of evened out at the end of it. But while he'll connect some pretty good passes, he does. I I think people kind of miss his turnovers because they're on his side of the field, and that hurts yeah. him. But uh, he he was pretty average. Then Melia was my other. Yeah, player. very good, very good. Yeah, okay. Who, like you know, you look at him and you don't think, oh, that guy's gonna be stringing passes together. You know, like he's. He's almost kind of clunky in his movement. And that's not the right word. He's just a little more um, stiff. I guess he's not as fluid as Romando. But he, right. I mean, he's clearly smart. And you, and you watch him, like, he knows the system in and out. And he's, but like, you know, you want to think, oh, we, we need to get a keeper who can connect passes. Like, we, if Tim Malia can do it, and, you know, great goalkeeper. I love watching him play. But yep. I, you know, I, it's just confusing of like, well, why? How like how much more do you think you're gonna really get contribution from a you know how much more is Joe Hart? Well, that's not a good example. How much more is you know your average you know South American goalkeeper gonna contribute than you know Jeff Atanella? Right. The four uh, names I just mentioned were all domestic product. I, yeah. I hit it in, in uh, I got the two of them. Yeah, they go. <laughs> um, but they're domestic products, yeah. obviously as well. And, you know, and that's, that's a, a legit stat that I know you've spent hours and hours and hours and hours developing and it's huge. And it's, it's important. I, I, you know, I call it, it it's stupid, honestly. Um, it's just, it's not a smart business decision that because it's been proven to not be not even very successful. It hasn't proven to be successful to go get a, a foreign goalkeeper. Uh, if you win a, a higher level league, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily a, a, a better goalkeeper. It means you won the league. Yeah. Good on you. Right? <laughs> but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily better than somebody who didn't win the league. You know, last I checked, Zach is the number one for the U.S. They didn't win MLS Cup. Yeah. Um, so, you know, does that mean that Brad has to be the number one? Or that Atanella, who finished number two, he should be the number two. You know, those things don't equate. So just because somebody was a, year, a, a champion in South America or somewhere else um, doesn't equate. I think goalkeepers get a little bit too much credit and a little bit too much blame. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're giving MLS goalkeeper coaches and managers too much credit because that's not even what they're doing. They're not. They're not picking up. You know, they're not picking up champions. They're picking up the leftovers is what they're doing. They're not, Yeah. you know, so. It's, they're, they're, it's silly. It's, yeah. it's, it's silly. There's too many good ones that are, that are, I know you've written about this as well. They're leaving the game too early. And yeah. I know that happens on the women's side much yeah. more than on the yeah. men's side, but there's too many good ones that are, that are leaving the guys game too early. And it's because there's not a shot. And, uh, you know, there's teams that fortunately that think, I'm not going to spend a, a foreign roster spot on a goalkeeper. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. And fantastic. That's, that's great to hear. Um, I don't know where it is for Chicago. If they have two, because uh, I don't know where Tam and Gam and yeah, D Gam yeah. and D Tam and all, <laughs> all these things rules. can yeah. play. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if Usted and Sanchez are both uh, on foreign roster spots. I, Sanchez, uh, I he should at least have a green card. I think he's born in the U.S. I'm I'm trying to think. 
Because I know he's, he was in the youth system, it, regardless, either way. But um, You what, know what I'm most bummed about about this interview is me forgetting Aiden Brown's name. <laughs> that's, that's hanging over your head. Yeah, That's I, hanging over my head, big yeah, time. I, um, you know, it's funny because, you know, he's irrelevant is the right word, but he's, he's kind of irrelevant on the current goalkeeper scene for um, modern fans. I feel like in the U.S. scene. Right. Um, just because, you know, he just got plagued with, you know, one thing after another, and he just didn't, you know, get to that. But, you know, he was on such a high track from an early point. And um, I, I, he's not our – There's, I feel like there's a number of young goalkeepers that we had that got, um, you know, pretty derailed pretty quick. Like Johnny Walker is another one I remember. Yeah. Um, I feel like I remember reading about a lot of them, just like they, they were really good. They were coming around, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s wave. They just well, really... Quentin, Quentin Westbrook, Cody Cropper, you know, guys that have, you know, left originally and then came back. I think Quentin just signed back yeah, uh, yeah. in the country, and Cody had uh, very, very high high marks as a as a youngster. I think he's behind. Is it Turner? Yeah, uh, in, in New England. England. Yeah. Um, and you know, Turner came from from relative obscurity. Yeah. Um, you know, Gosh, not more not than certainly. That. Now, certainly Cody's uh, Cody's uh, uh, legacy pedigree, and I think Cody will make a great push there uh, as yeah. the season unfolds. But the opportunities are so little for a goalkeeper to both shine and yeah. to fail that you you know it's it's tough to, to make the change to pull yeah. a goalkeeper because of that. You know, if your back line is good, if your team's good, you're just you're not seeing enough to to pull somebody for them being the difference. It's like they're almost waiting for them to do something of like a Keppa level, like accident of, yeah. okay, well you've done that. So now we're going to mention, you know, it's a, uh, you know, when Brad Friedel rolled Turner at the start of the last year, everyone was like, what, what, <laughs> who is this kid? You know? And you know, he did right. pretty, and, and then, then they switched him middle of the season. I think twice they brought Knighton in and then switched back to Turner. Yeah. So uh, but to that, to that point, look at what, Look at what can happen yeah, yeah. for some of our domestic products. For imagine if Matt Bersano got a, a couple runs out in San Jose. Uh, you know, I love Tamelia, but imagine if Eric Dick got a couple runs in uh, Sporting KC. Um, you know, we're so quick to, and I'll be critical of MLS in this regard, that you bring in a foreign goalkeeper and, okay, you know what, we're going to talk about um, 350 to 450. Does it need to be five? Okay, it can be 500. Yeah. Yet, if we have a domestic goalkeeper and we bring him into the league at 65, 70, and you say, no, I want it to be 75. No, it's going to be 70. You know, <laughs> they're going to haggle over that 5,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet, we're going to make a decision to go 50 more for this foreign goalkeeper yeah. or that foreign goal. I'm not against foreign goalkeepers. I'm really not. They just got to be I good am... enough. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah. Well, one thing, and we'll kind of wrap this up here before we do uh keeper of the year predictions here. But one thing I, I always really like is whenever I hear a goalkeeper cite another goalkeeper as an influence that wasn't, uh, that isn't from their region. So like the, the pretty, the two biggest ones I can think of were Smichael, who always talked really high of Gordon Banks and specifically that save. So there was, yep. oh, I forget the name of the magazine. There was a really, a really nice uh, keeper magazine that just came out recently. Uh, just did its first edition. A lot of cool, they, like it just looks really good. There's a lot of like small pieces in it, but there's a lot of them. So I really enjoyed that. But they had a comparison from the Smichael to Bank Save, and they said Smichael's was better. And I was just like, the Smichael Save doesn't exist without the Bank Save, you know? Like, so that's a side point. But um, right. but you know, Smichael's from Denmark and Banks is English and. 
Um, and then the other one is uh, Buffon talking about the goalkeeper from uh, Cameroon, the Thomas Incono. Um, okay. And he, he, he cited him as, you know, you, you'll, you'll see a lot of stuff from Buffon talking about when he was young. He saw Incono at the 1990 World Cup. And, um, okay. that, and that, and so he, you know, across the world there. And so I, I think that can happen in MLS of, you know, compost is a good example of, you know, young goalkeepers looking at him and thinking, Oh yeah, he, that's, that's how you play. That's good. That's awesome. But it's not, you know, compost is an American. And I think that's right. a really awesome part of the game and the position that we can look at someone from another country and say, Hey, I want to play like that. And I think that's really cool, but I don't feel Absolutely. like the foreigners we bring in <laughs> for goalkeepers in MLS Anyone's really saying that about minus a, a small handful. So anyway, we, we could go on and on about it, but um, well, but, novice is one that that people yeah. should look to. Yeah, yeah, definitely extremely Absolutely. successful. Yeah, not six four. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, re- unbelievable level of results. Still playing carries himself with class. Still playing well despite like having a ton of competition now. Um, yeah, yeah. So you know, constantly yeah. basically being in being. Um, I don't know if inferred is the right word, but basically being uh, told silently that he's not good enough, even yep. though he just wins yeah. and wins yeah. and wins yeah. and wins does. and wins. <laughs> yep. You know, good for him. Yeah. No, I absolutely. Yeah. Another, yeah. Very good goalkeeper to, to look. That's not quite from our region. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so give me three goalkeepers. We'll wrap up on this. Give me, give me in order. One, two, three, your three goalkeepers for MLS goalkeeper of the year. Uh, we're recording this Thursday, but the season starts this weekend. So we haven't seen any games yet. Um, three goalkeepers in order one two three or do you i can go first if you want to you you go first i think i know my number one okay but i'd like to i'd like to hear yours okay so i think mine were and you know it's so tough at this point of the season i i I went with the safest bets um so it was one two three is malia romando fry you know malia is is not really a sexy pick none of those are really sexy picks except for maybe fry um and that honestly is there's, there's a bit of iconicness that comes with the award that I think Stefan part of the reason why he won the award is because his rise in the international scene and the big transfer. I, it, it, you, you look back at all of them, you know, their team has to do well. If your team gets last, there's no way you win goalkeeper of the year. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, you have to really be competing. So it, there's a lot of external factors that go on besides just being good. But, you know, I, I think SKC is looking really strong this year. I think Malia is still playing really well he's had two very good years in a row um right. i i threw i, I threw armando in there because i think that if he says something about this being his last season i think that might actually jump his stock because there's like a weird sentiment sentimentality to the award of oh this is his last year so like i, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if howard got it to be honest um yeah. i don't think colorado's in that position but yeah it wouldn't, wouldn't throw me off and then fry yeah. you know with seattle that i think those have been fairly consistent although he I mean, he really kind of fell off towards the end of the year. Um, but so those those are my three. Those are my, I guess, kind of safest picks. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was, you know, you know, none of those were in the top three. So, but that, that's what I got. Healthy picks and um, some older guys on there, but they yeah. certainly have some wisdom and experience yeah. to potentially do that. I mean, you're mentioning Tim and uh, mentioning. Um, Romando, uh, mentioning Fry, you know, having them and those two in the list, I, there are certainly guys that are, that are there, you know, Stefan seems to me to have, you know, somewhat limited movement, Sure. uh, but, uh, he's a, a fantastic goalkeeper and, um, 
that's that's what his job is to do is to to be a rock solid goalkeeper and so he may not be sprinting to uh the back end of the of the circle at midfield <laughs> to clear a ball yeah uh, but if uh, the touch is taken and the forward's on coming, I'm going to put my money on Steph making that save. I, I think of all the MLS goalkeepers out there of ones that make saves that I think they shouldn't have made it. He's got to be towards the top, if not number one. Cause he, I mean, he yeah. makes, I mean, of course the Toronto save from two cups ago, but I feel like he does that every now and then I'm just pulling in a save somehow. Right. Right. For me, I am going to go off of uh, away from what I've said here for the past <laughs> two hours and, um, but I'm going to give my man Sarki some some love and I think David Usted has done well in the league um, he, he, he's performed admirably in the league uh, and I, I think after having a little bit of a, of a knock in his career maybe a stumble in his career whatever um, I trust that Sarki will get him back to form and I'd put him at number three. Okay. Uh, so not number one, but number three. And maybe a stretch, but I, I love my man Sarki. So that's number three. Number two, I'm going to say is Melia because he's as, he's as steady as they come. Sure. And I think he's going to be that again. Uh, he's just steady and rock solid. Um, you know, I just don't, I don't see him wavering from that. I'd love to to put Zach there, but he's not going to play yeah. at the number one spot, but he's not going to play the entire year. He's going to be gone at the window. So when you look at that for me, it's Brad. Um, mm. Brad is still very, very good. Very, very efficient. Good with the ball at his feet. Great leader. Uh, he's coming off of an MLS cup. Yeah. There's yeah. no reason for, for him to be on a down, on a down swing um, or take a stumble in any regard. Uh, so I know Paulie D will get him enough, uh, Paulie Dillon, my guy who played for me at Marquette. He, uh, he's their equipment guy. He'll keep him in great form. <laughs> Make him uh, look nice. Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think, uh, I think Brad and, and Brad's going to be pushing to play in another world cup. So, yeah. uh, qualifications are around the corner and, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that's where, where for me, those three would go, uh, instead. Um, and then, uh, obviously Brad up top and Amelia coming in at a very, very solid number two. Yeah. I, I think if Guzan, I think if Atlanta gets in the, the, essentially the final four again, I, I think he's definitely in the running. I mean, he was in it this year. Um, but you know, kind of just got overshadowed by Stefan, but yeah, I think that's a strong fit. I'd be surprised if Chicago does anything. I just, I just feel like they're perpetually a, like a basement team. But you know, I, I I hope they turn around. But I just they they have to have a winning they season first. Wrong, have they? <laughs> I mean, sadly, because I, I want them to do extremely well. Yeah, I, yeah. I love those guys. Al yeah, Bowler, yeah. And and Marco, and I yeah. love them all. But they've got to yeah. the the team. Uh, those guys do a great job. The team has got to do yeah. something to to change their course. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, the, we I mean, we mentioned so many names. I'm looking at keepers right now. Like we haven't said. Evan Bush, um, Robles, right. Bill Hamid. We haven't right. said those names once. Um, right. You know, Bill just... Hamid we mentioned a little bit earlier. Oh, um, okay. yeah, you, yeah. You did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but just, you're right on the others. I mean, there's just so many uh, more goalkeepers around the league, you know. So it's we have these goalkeepers. It's just, you know, what they, what's going to happen to them. Yeah. Well, you get to that level 
and credit to every single one of them. I don't care if you're the number one, the number two, or the number three. I don't care if you're on loan or, or whatever. You get to that level, and you're you're doing uh, some very, very good things in your craft. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, credit to them, every single one of them. I think Evan Bush is a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, Bill Hamid, you know, resurgence, let's hope, is what's going to happen for him this year. Robles is as steady as they come as well. And uh, I think he went to Portland, if I'm not mistaken. Robles. Um, uh, that sounds right. You're, you're, that's stumping me, though. I think he, uh, I think he did. I'm almost, almost positive. But you know, guys, Marcus Hahnemann, we didn't mention, who had yeah, a, yeah. a fantastic run as well. I know he's not current, but at the end of the day, if you've gotten to this level and you're in this discussion as some of the best in this country, just imagine how many youth soccer players in this country would love to have their name even uttered in the the, the company of some of the guys we've mentioned today. Yeah, no, so. absolutely, absolutely. There was that one goalkeeper from Parkside. What was his name? Do you want to? Uh, Joel Meadow, <laughs> uh, Tom Peer, Mark Litton. Yeah, uh, I could I could go on. Armando <laughs> Carlo. I could go on. Yeah, yeah. Mike is asking. Yeah.